Welcome to the Metacast interviews. In this series, which is brought to you by Novix, we invite the most interesting people in the gaming space to share their stories, successes, mistakes, insights, advice, and also spicy takes. I'm your host, Fozy. I'm a content lead at Novix. I'm also an investor at Forerunner Ventures by day. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Mike and Gina today. Mike and Gina are the co-founders of Tailwind Studios, a Roblox-based gaming studio, one of the most exciting spaces, in my opinion, at the moment. Mike and Gina, welcome. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, glad to have you. So I'd love to sort of start off with a little bit about your experience, um, just to understand where you're coming from and, and how you sort of became a Roblox studio. Sure, um, I'll start. Uh, so yeah, I'm Mike, uh, CEO of Tailwind Studios. Um, my background is that I've been a game designer um, most like all my career really. So um, I started off um, at Jagex working on RuneScape. Um, I was briefly a community manager and then um, went into QA. And then while I was in QA, um, I was working on an, an unannounced sci-fi MMO. And um, yeah, there was a gap in the team for someone who was like really into the numbers, the spreadsheets, the systems, the kind of real kind of like numbers nerd. So like that's like what I really loved. Um, and it sort of grew from there into like a game economy balancing role and like a combat economy balancing, a combat balancing role. So yeah, so um, that was kind of my like move from, from testing to towards like um, towards game design. Um, and then I kind of like really relished that over the next few years while I was at Jagex um, and, and it broadened to work across all of their titles. Um, so um, went from this kind of sci-fi MMO on, onto RuneScape and like some of the kind of mobile titles, uh, titles as well. Um, and then from there, um, when I moved on from Jagex after like five years there, I went over to Spain um, to work for Social Point. Um, and what was really cool about that was um, I was kind of right there when like social Facebook gaming was like at its height. But then like people were just starting to transition over to mobile and like spot that opportunity. And um, yeah, I, I managed to work on some really good titles when I was there. But one of my key learnings was that um, it was the first time that I like, really realized that you had to make a game for the player, not for yourself. So we like made this like hack and slash game um, that was kind of like Diablo for Facebook, not really realizing in our naivety that maybe Facebook users weren't really wanting to play Diablo on their kind of PCs that probably couldn't handle it anyway. Um, but like then after that, we like made a game called Monster Legends, which is still doing really well today on like the, on, on the iOS uh, and Android. So um, yeah, so that was like really cool. Um, and then like we just, so while, while I was there, as I was saying, I kind of saw the transition to mobile. Um, like some some companies kind of missed that. So like a Zynga were, were kind of like like slightly slow to do that, and then they suffered for a few years, and they're, they're doing really well now. Whereas like some companies like King um, managed to kind of hit that beat, and then like really sort of rocketed from that. Uh, yeah, so after Social Point, I then moved to India to become head of monetization for a studio called Reliance Games, um, who were working with like loads and loads of big IP. So I was like there for a while, um, really like um, learning a lot more about the kind of business side of things. Uh, and then back to London where I joined King um, and just learned from people that were so much smarter than me, like in like game design, product. Um, yeah, just like some of the best, smartest people in the industry, just like giving me kind of like a masterclass and all that stuff. So I was there for like four years across some prototyping teams and I was lead game designer at Farm, at Farm Heroes for a few years as well. Um, and then after that, I started my own consultancy. So it was a really good opportunity to work with loads and loads of founders, like big and small. Um, like, and it just felt like 
I was like really valued by like the kind of teams that I was working with um, and, and almost able to give my best stuff because you're, you're there for like a week or two or like a few months sometimes and you really give it everything and then you move on and do the same somewhere else. And that was really, really rewarding. Um, and it was on one of those contracts, I was doing a contract for a company called Super Social um, over um, who were like one of the first professional Roblox studios uh, starting out in the States. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love with this opportunity on Roblox. Um, and um, they, they had a great founding team there, like some like really cool people, um, but they like kind of lacked maybe that like gaming expert to sort of come in and like um, help um, help like navigate that side of things. Um, so I like um, help them um, set some of the processes up, um, working on the first game um, and growing that to a certain point. And then when I moved on end of November, I wasn't ready to finish in Roblox. Like we can probably talk about this a bit more later, but yeah, there was just so much there that I wanted to get stuck into that we ended up starting our own company in that space. Awesome. Thanks for that background. And, and Gina, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, uh, I, I, I try not to take as long. I'm joking. Um, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> my uh, background actually started in uh, costume um, for TV, theatre and film. Uh, and then I, I moved over into retail operations uh, until I met Mike. I didn't actually realise that the games industry was a thing that I could work in. I'm not really sure how I thought games were made before then, maybe by like elves or something, I don't know. But um, I've been playing games in my life. I just never realised that the industry was an uh, industry I could work in until I met Mike king and i was so amazed by the culture and how progressive they were how progressive the industry is and kind of um especially like the uk team at the time with how like the workspaces the culture the values all that kind of stuff and i just thought i need to get in there how do i get in here and i managed to get my first role in the industry with rovio they were just had just started building their london studio and i came in as their office and operations manager and I was working alongside the Helsinki team to kind of translate what this amazing culture they built in Finland and what that would look like in London um, and we didn't have space for a sauna so we had to get creative um, but it was really it was really really great I worked alongside some really great people Mark Sorrell was a great mentor for me he he was and still is incredible um, unfortunately as is sometimes the way with uh, the games industry we got shut down a couple of months later but that opened up an incredible door for me at Big Pixel. They'd just been acquired by Warner Media, and uh, Dave Burpitt reached out to me and said, and I quote, we need an office manager. We're not sure what one is, but we've been told we need an office manager. So can you please come and help <laughs> us? Uh, so I, yeah, I grabbed the ball by the horns. It was a really great, exciting time. Um, so post acquisition, they were tasked with building a new product for the Rick and Morty IP. They were previously from Pocket Mortys. Um, so uh, following that success, they were tasked with building a new uh, Rick and Morty um, game for mobile, as well as growing a team alongside that. So it was really busy. Um, I learned a lot. Um, I'd say I kind of covered most things that apart from making the game. So um, we built an amazing culture there and we won several awards and it was, it was just a really great experience. I sunk my teeth into a lot of areas uh, and really kind of, uh, learned a lot about business development and people, culture, operations, all that kind of great stuff. And it was a real shame actually when WarnerMedia decided to close the studio at the end of last year, um, as is sometimes the way, again, with yeah. the industry. Um, and it was at that point where I was at a crossroads, thought that I could go into the studio or Mike could just start working in Roblox. And we're like, actually, this might feel like, this feels like the best time for us to really 
grab the ball by the horns and go for our own studio. So yeah, beginning of this year, Tailwind was born. <laughs> totally. I love how a lot of the people in the in gaming that I talk to, their experience is a lot cobbled together. They bounce from studio to studio and sort of their like baby is an amalgam of those experiences, which certainly seems the way for for Tailwind and, and Roblox. So could you describe a little bit about what your game is to the audience? On your website, it says, you know, RuneScape meets Animal Crossing. GI.biz described you as the supercell of, of Roblox. So what are you building? Why? And, and sort of what's the long-term vision? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so we're really excited about our first game. We like kind of feel like even if we were building it not for Roblox and it was kind of a standalone title, it would still be quite ambitious what we're trying to achieve. Like Roblox really helps us to deliver on that in an efficient way. Like it, I, it like gives us so many sort of features and tools built in that allow us to sort of achieve that ambition. Um, so like what we're trying to build is what you said. Um, the, um, the the core loop of the game is that the player um, gathers resources and they can craft items and they can um, then decorate their island, um, which every player owns an island. I probably should have said that at the start. Um, and yeah, so it is a cozy sandbox MMO, um, basically, kind of like Animal Crossing, but um, hyper social because Roblox is all about interacting with other people in interesting ways and like being able to sort of, yeah, have that online persona. The great thing about Roblox and us bringing this kind of title on is, as Mike said, the social aspect of it. It makes playing with your friends so seamless and it makes developing those kind of um, large experiences a lot easier. So, for example, if you're playing with your friends, you can swim over to that island rather than waiting to dial in a code or something. It just makes it super easy. So rather than it taking three minutes, it takes two seconds and you can you can instantly play with your friends. Also, um, like built into the kind of core mechanics is that interaction with other players. So um, one of the kind of end aspects of that loop is that you are sort of building these toys to then place on your island so that other people can come hang out and sort of um, enjoy the space that you've created. Um, and then there's this kind of UGC element within it as well, because say you like build loads of trampolines, you can then place those on your island and you can make your own kind of assault course with like having like tables in the way and stuff. So like, um, yeah, like, that's like one of the like interesting things about Roblox is that there's so many like sandbox role playing games like this where everyone just makes their own fun rather than yeah. having to rely on uh, yeah on, on too many deep systems. I think you put that so well. I remember at the height of the pandemic when everybody was playing Animal Crossing and there's so much friction to go from island to island and visit your friends. But then you know you scroll through Twitter and there was so much creativity happening. Mm -hmm on the islands like how did one game that is so limited enable this amazing like creativity by everybody so i guess what what have you accomplished so far and and what's on your radar yeah so um we've been working on the game for six months for the first few months it was literally like there was just there was like three of us working on it but as i said before because of like what roblox gives us to help us make games like uh, really quickly um we like, have managed to achieve quite a lot so like where we're currently at is that like even in the first few weeks we like set it up so that everyone had their island and you could like swim between the islands that was the first thing we wanted to tackle um that like feeling of like ownership and like being in that shared space with other people um and i like, then we started to sort of get the whole core loop up and running um 
where we're at, at the moment is that we've just finished two massive systems, which is building and placing your items on the island. So like now we've, we're at that point where not everyone just logs in and has the same island so that you can actually like um, start like making these toys and then placing them around and then enjoying them together. So we're actually pretty close to going into like alpha launch. We're like going to start our external play testing within the next few weeks. Um, and there's, there's this other system that, um, that I'll like tease a little bit, which is kind of a, a reputation system. And it's, and it's very focused on our company, uh, our company values as well of like sustainability and, and positive impact where, um, how you behave in the game will impact your island. So we like have these like three deities, fire, earth, and water. And say you like fish too much today. So you like grab as many fish as you can. And like, there's like no fish left in the water around your island. The next day when you come in, like there won't be as many fish anymore because you've like angered the water deity and you've now kind of like moved slightly towards maybe a fire island. And like, if you keep this up and if you sort of like really go far down that path, then your island biome will actually shift. Um, and like, and maybe you like now have like a massive volcano spawning in the middle of your island and you actually don't get any trees spawning anymore. Um, but now there's like rocks and gemstones and everything all over the place. And the way this gets really interesting is when you think of each player is at a different stage in this journey. So Dina's Island may be like a paradise of trees and nature and like forests. And she has certain kinds, she has like access to some really cool trees. Whereas you might have like a waterfall and, and all these lagoons and some really cool fish on your island. Um, and like, I have to go and trade with you to get some of the things that aren't on my island. And it, it's this interconnecting economy. And we want the, really want the players to be able to draw parallels from what's happening in the game to see what then their actions could then do in the real world as well. That's something that's really important to us. I love that. Thank you for, for that description. And I, I just want to zoom out a little bit and talk more broadly about Roblox. So you sort of illustrated why you decided to build on the Roblox platform and, and why it makes sense to, you know, to build on it. How do you think about the economics of building games on Roblox and sort of what are the disadvantages, advantages, and how does it compare to building games for more traditional platforms? It certainly seems like time to development is pretty rapid, but you know, are there any other factors that, that you've identified? The barriers to entry are certainly lower. It's really satisfying, like jumping in a scene to get. So, um, when you're making a game in Roblox, you like use this um, this some um, tool that, that Roblox has called Roblox Studio, and it, it's kind of like a Unity Lite. It's like how how we describe it, but it's so well supported, and every single week they're adding like so many cool features that like we didn't even think they would add. Um, so yeah, uh, like it is very very powerful. So like we never feel like we're lacking in that department. There's like a few quirks with it, like that are always kind of there, but um, but yeah. Um, the, the, the team over at Roblox, so like I'm doing like a really well to fix those. Um, but um, generally, yeah, like um, the like, most satisfying thing is like jumping into team create together and like working on a scene and then you hit publish and suddenly everyone can play your game, like cross, cross platform. So like, whereas if you're making something in Unity, which is a great engine by the way, um, but um, if you then want to kind of get that to players, you like need to sort of get the build running and then put it on test flight and then send it out and these kinds of things. But we get so much just naturally there. Mm, it really um, kind of like democratizes uh, game development. I mean, even, I mean, I would say I'm probably not as tech savvy as the rest of our team, but we, I've been able to jump into sessions. We've all been building obbies together and it's been really great. It's a really kind of, especially in these times, which are quite remote, it's been a really kind of like great team building, team connection experience as well. 
And, and I think the other thing as well is just how close you are to the community all the time when you're building Roblox games. Like, it almost feels like when you're making a game not on Roblox, like which I've done for many, many years, you're kind of like in your silo and you're making a game and you're kind of like ramping up to soft launch. Whereas it definitely feels like the players are there with you and they're like jumping onto your Discord. And it, yeah, um, and it's just so much easier to sort of get people involved. It's really social. Like the games are social and the development process is incredibly social too. You feel like the community is so excited by anything new coming onto the, uh, onto the platform that um, we've got a great little kind of great growing community of Discord uh, of Discord um, in our Discord who are super hyped about the game, provide us feedback, and it's just great to be able to have that kind of untapped kind of access to players right from the get go. I love that. I I, uh, I played a lot of Roblox back in the fall just to try it out when you know they were pre IPO and announcing all these fundraising rounds. And one of my favorite parts was actually the forum culture of just seeing how people engage with other people's profiles and sort of the points that they accrued based on building or the items that they made. One of the points that you that you made is uh, about social, and I, I, I'm gonna double down on that. There are a lot of games on Roblox, there's a lot of noise. How do you sort of imagine cutting through all that noise with the game that you're releasing? That's a good question. I guess you can talk about like, there's like UA within Roblox, like it, it, it's different to if you were doing like UA in mobile, um, you like can sort of spend Robux to get your game um, on the um, front page. Um, so it's like sorted and, and you can also have some banner ads. So like that's like the kind of spending money to do it kind of way so that you can get eyes in it for like bringing users in and, and, and getting some testing done. Um, but generally that isn't the way that you would grow a Roblox game. Like what really matters is what you do with the community and like how you engage players with your game and also how you work with like influencers as well. Like a lot of the discovery on the platform is done that way. So yeah. like partnering up with like people who like have their own communities that they've been building up and like getting them excited about the game, um, giving them special access that they can kind of come with you on the journey. Um, I definitely feel like the barrier to entry to get your game discovered on Roblox is a lot lower than on mobile. I feel like if we were making this game, if we made the exact same game, tools and tech aside, and we launched it on mobile, I would be terrified of the marketing budget I would have to spend <laughs> on it. Whereas I know that on Roblox, we can get people really, really like hyped about our game without spending like a cent. Like, and that's kind of where we're starting to build towards just like, we're trying to be very transparent with our whole mm. development process. We're sharing everything. I'm sharing too much. Like, a couple of days ago, I like shared our entire Jira for the next two weeks, just like as an experiment to see what people like thought. Is yeah, yeah. Community sen sentiment is really important, and that's kind of how we really approached coming onto the platform too. And I know we'll kind of discuss this later, but like participating in the Roblox Accelerator was a really important move for us to make sure that we were kind of seen as developers and not outsiders coming in with with different agendas. We really wanted to integrate ourselves with the community. Because we like as much as we hope that they learn from us, we are learning every day from them, and we really want to build a great relationship with them. So then we are welcomed within the Roblox community rather than seen as some scary outsider in a suit. <laughs> I love that. I never thought of the Roblox Accelerator program as a way to like plug yourself in into the community versus just like using it as a sort of YC to continue to build in the Roblox platform. 
the people we've met along the way on the program has been like amazing. Like some of the other development teams, like like um, I can talk I can talk some about those later. But yeah, like there was some some of those people in those teams were just so talented and so hardworking. And like having those connections now and those friendships that we built are like like yeah, but um, still talk to people from that like every day. Amazing. And I saw okay, you raised an eight hundred thousand dollar round. You're ramping up building. Roblox averages two and a half hours of playtime a day. I know I'm throwing out a lot of stats and 42 million DAUs. There's a lot happening. You're, you know, ramping up your building. I'm curious how you see Roblox evolving over time and how that might affect your approach to building games and ultimately sort of a business on the platform. You know, now that you've graduated from Roblox Accelerator program, you're, you know, have a little bit more autonomy in that way. What is that going to look like for you? So it's only really been in the last few years that like people have been able to make a living out of their games on Roblox. So like the growth that we've seen in the last few years in terms of like, yeah, like what developers have, have been able to sort of get out of it, which then helps them grow and make their games better. Like, and that kind of cycle of like um, developers making good games, more players coming in, and then some of those become developers is like what has spurred Roblox growth to be where it is today. Um, but ultimately what's happening is like the games are getting better and better, the quality of things on the platform because of the tools and also the expertise on the platform. So like whenever a game starts to do well and someone introduces like a new mechanic or like um, take something from somewhere else or, or, or make something completely fresh, like everyone else obviously takes note of that. And then the whole, the whole development community levels up at that time. So I think that there's a lot of respect between developers on community on, on, on the platform. And um, and yeah, like they're like all talking to each other and learning from each other. So over the next few years, I just see the games continuing to get better and better. And um, in terms of the ecosystem of sort of studios that are making these games on the platform, like a lot of them have grown up just making Roblox games. And some of the most successful studios on Roblox right now have come from within Roblox, not from outside at all. Um, but then there have been in in the last say eighteen months, um, maybe even longer, because like um, companies like like Toy have probably been around for like two and a half, three years. Um, like studios have have come in and and and, and achieved success on the platform as well. So I like, feel like it's going to be um, a, a hybrid model of like both of these kind of sides working together to sort of continue to make the best games. One of the things that we often talk about in venture, which is what I do for my day job, is about like potential scale and returns on investment. I'm curious how sort of when you went out and pitched investors, how they thought about that, you know, when you're talking to a lot of other developers in the ecosystem, this tight knit community, what does it mean to do scale and like potentially figure out an exit scenario or expand beyond Roblox or within Roblox uh, moving forward? That's cool. Yeah, we like had that a couple of times ourselves. Um... Because we've been talking to sisters and VCs over the last few weeks. I bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, what I'll say is that, yeah, like, there's some very big numbers being banded around for the games that are doing very well at the top on the platform at the moment. And there's a great sort of, I'm not sure what the word is, but like supporting kind of tier of games beneath that that are also doing really well so like um like i'll quote the official stats from roblox which there's which is that there's at least three studios on the platform who made in excess of 10 million last year mm -hmm. uh, the numbers i'm hearing are a lot higher than that 10 million but yeah the, the official source is it was 10 million um, at least for those three studios 
And I believe last year in total, there was about 200 million paid out to developers on the platforms, but amongst everyone. So like, those are decent numbers. Like, but like when you talk to a VC, they're like, yeah, but you're not gonna get a billion dollar franchise game out of that. Cause that's like split amongst everyone. And like, yes, it's growing, but what if it doesn't grow as much? So for us, it's about a portfolio strategy, like of, of like hitting multiple titles. So we're not like, say there's like a cap right now, maybe of like 30, 40 million for like a single game. Um, we, we like definitely want to have multiple titles on the platform doing really well. Um, and then you're right that to, to make a business that is like a billion dollar business, like you, you like might want to look onto other metaverse platforms and not just position yourself as a, a game studio for Roblox, making yourself a studio for a lot more metaverse platforms because there's a lot out there and as much, and we absolutely love Roblox and that is where we're starting. It, it gives us a chance to like reach hundreds of millions of players, grow our team, create some great IP that we own. And that's a great place where the players are, but there are other players in other places as well. So we can take our learnings and also make great content for those guys as well. And at that point, the business opportunity starts to look like really, really exciting. Yeah, Roblox is obviously the largest platform of its type, but how, how do you view those emerging competitors like Manticore? It sounds like, you know, for example, you're looking at them as growth opportunities, but, you know, right now you want to be fully focused on this platform. When does it make sense to consider building on other platforms and, and how do you think about that? So for the first few months, we were like, okay, all about Roblox, like, there's like, we kind of thought there wasn't much point going to other platforms because all the players are in Roblox. However, what we're already seeing is that a lot of these other platforms has now, have now raised a lot of money and they realize that they, to, to keep growing now, like they're like tech starting to get there, but it's not just about making their tech as good as possible. They, they, they have to get the developers and the players in. So they are actually willing to invest some of that money into developers to then make content for the platform. So some of these platform holders, we've actually been in discussions with and they're willing to fund games to come onto their platform. So that's like an interesting opportunity for us where it's like the players aren't there, but the money is there to allow us to make content. And if you get in early, you like have first mover advantage and you have all those kind of opportunities. So we're definitely exploring that side of things. Um, one platform in particular, which is really exciting. We had a call with them last week they were the most amazing founding team and we, they were just delightful to talk to. Um, they're the guys from Unit 2 Games who make Crater. So um, they were acquired by Facebook. They've had a great story, really great success, haven't they? Yeah, um, and, and like that, that's really interesting because they've got the tech, which is incredible, and now they've got the Facebook connection, which is the players. So it's like that one could explode really quickly because it's like as soon as they want the players, they're there. So yeah, so that, that, that's one we're definitely keeping a close eye on. Yeah, it sounds like you have a couple pillars to your strategy. One is IP developing games that people love and sort of making a community around that. And then the second pillar is just finding ways to distribute. What's really interesting about what I'm hearing is a lot of these platforms are funding you and you don't necessarily, you might not necessarily need to go the VC route immediately like other game studios just to like up those marketing budgets necessarily, right? But uh, I find that to be really interesting. Gina, one question that I had for you is just around hiring. You know, building a team in Roblox is very different, but I'd also imagine that studios are looking to hire game designers from mobile game studios and, you know, the big companies out there. What does hiring look like for Tailwind at the moment? Yeah, it's a great question because our founding team are, are, are not 
Roblox native. And it was definitely something that we realized pretty early on that having that Roblox native knowledge would be something that's would be really useful within the team. So um, as we've been hiring, we have been able to include that. So we managed to hire um, a great Roblox developer. He's 18 years old. He's incredible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. He's got so much energy and so much knowledge. And he's been developing on Roblox for five years and has really kind of skilled us up incredibly in the last two months that he's been with us. But um, we've been, I think we've been able to find that balance between because our, our um, opportunity for us has always been, let's bring the knowledge that we've got in the industry from mobile, from from like all the all different consoles like gaming and stuff into this platform, and let's try and collaborate with these developers that obviously know their platform really well. So with our development team, we think it's really useful to have to bring in people that have got multiplayer experience, for example. And with our designers, mobile free to play because a lot of those kind of mechanics and um, really work. They they're, 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 that's what they're, they're being used. And our artists, we've always said that we really want to provide more kind of I mean this in the best sense possible because I love Roblox, but like more sophisticated looking experiences, which is what the older players are looking for, which is our opportunity. And already we've seen some of the stuff we've been leaking. Um, their players have been like, wow, this looks amazing. There's no way this is Roblox. So it's been, it's been incredible to really kind of marry these different um, skill sets. Um, but that being said, we are a UK company and at the moment we are focused on hiring in the UK. So hiring Roblox talent uh, in the UK has been pretty hard. So um, it's something that we are continuing continuing to try and build relationships with UK developers. So um, if you're out there, please, <laughs> please let yourself be known. I'd Hit Mike and Gina up, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's great though. Um, the first thing that we did when we founded the company was to build our set of values and what the vision for the company is. Not the vision for the product, the vision for, because Tailwind is a company and a business. It's not built around a game and we think we feel like that was the best thing we've ever done because it's been the backbone and the pillar for how we make all our decisions who we hire and I think that's also attracted the people that we want to work with too I think that's been our probably the the, the best lesson that I've learned so far from building a team right and you have the advantage of operating in a community that already technically exists. I find that story of the developer you recently hired really inspiring because it just it's an opportunity for someone to take their passions into a professional setting. Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of Roblox too and and these other platforms that are looking to um, make development more accessible is that it really kind of lowers the barrier to entry for this in for the industry which has predominantly been quite hard to access and that's kind of something we, we, we're really hoping to um, promote and play on in the future so that we can bring in those amazing people who can't get access to the industry because the requirements are too high yeah so in your minds what what is the most important thing to get right when building on Roblox like what is the biggest challenge about developing a game? on Roblox. Wow. That's the doozy right there. Yeah. Um, the biggest challenge about developing a game on Roblox. Um, I would just say you got to think about the audience. Like you like can't go in and just see something that works off a platform, try and port that in as you kind of, I mean, like, yeah, if, if I'm saying this from my perspective of someone who was starting out making games for the first time on Roblox last year, right? Um, 
So it's like, yeah, um, just like making sure that you really get to know Roblox players first and like respect what's already there and what's working because there's like a reason why the games that are on, on there are successful and that the ones at the top of the list aren't different games. Like if um, you like definitely, so like we like had to really understand what players want and then work out also like what they might want in a few years time and like what those, what, what those trends are. So the kind of example that, are, that, I, like, that I like to give is that there's this game um, called Brookhaven, which is like the number one game on the platform right yeah. now, right? And it, it's, it's really, it's really successful. It's doing really well. And it's this great sandbox space where players can role play. And you kind of go into that game and you can immediately from the first second of playing, you can have fun. You can get a beach house without having to pay anything. You just click on it and you've got a house. You can choose your own house. You can choose all of your outfit. You can choose to get a car for free. You can hide the UI and just run around and be someone that you chose to be in that world. And, and the players are absolutely loving it. Like they're, they're lapping up content creation about people making videos or about it. And that's what that massive demographic on, on Roblox are enjoying. And I think that if you didn't go in and take the time to understand that, then you would really struggle to succeed on the platform. Um, and it's also not as simple as just trying to clone that game. So like the way that we see it is like, we're almost seeing that as like the hyper casual of Roblox right now. Like, um, and, and, like it hasn't got too many deep game mechan mechanics in it. But like as like Roblox is trying to like age up, that's their massive initiative that is like it, it comes across in everything that they're trying to do at the moment. Like we are now positioning ourselves for how can we not make a game for the player that isn't there yet? Like, like we need to make a game that the, the current community will really enjoy. So understand that like that is um, that the market is there for that game, but then also layer in deeper mechanics and and systems that can cater for a longer tail and appeal to an older user um so um, that that's like being the challenge for us of like someone hopping between multiple games they like jump into our game i i don't want them to have to do a 15 minute handheld tutorial where they don't get access to anything they can't play with their friend so it's that kind of balance of like yeah like traditional game and openness if that makes sense yeah, it does. So do you just to dive in a little bit deeper, are you seeing that people in the Roblox platform are spending a lot of time in games or they do have that behavior where they're just hopping in and out depending on where their friends are going or what experience they want to be a part of? Like what's the I guess the, the next level question is like, I guess, what's your framework for thinking about like this type of user versus, you know, when you were at King, that type of user? So on average, the like the, the, the play sessions are, are, are like a decent length. Like it's not, it's pretty normal for like 13, 14, 15 minute play sessions. So like um, people yeah. do ha have long sessions um, in your game. I guess one thing is like the like day one retention is like lower than you would see for like a top performing title sort of on like mobile. Like, yeah, so fewer people will like come back to your game like straight away because like it's just not for them I, I, I guess but then once you get someone staying to like day three day five day seven you've like got them for like day 30 day 60 day 90 so that's like one kind of thing that we've noticed um and then also you're like totally right that like i i always think that that like um the kind of organic retention is part of what you said about like um the um, way it works on roblox is that you like have this um shit like you have a friends list that exists outside of all of your games so say I've got like 100 people on my friends list and 99 of them are playing Ghostopia, then I log in and I'm going to jump into Ghostopia because like everyone's playing that game. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, there's, there's, there's definitely that, which is like an interesting situation as well. I love that. It's like creating enough content for people to stay and constantly updating and giving people the way to like, you know, participate in their own capacity, be it role playing or content creation or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. That's exactly be. it because people aren't just playing, they're kind of creating YouTube videos. They're, it's, it's re it really is like the new kind of like virtual playground. I think that's something really interesting when we're trying to develop these different like, like people. Even making sure we've got a button that you can just turn off the UI because there's like so many really cool kind of YouTube videos that come out of like, we've seen all these like role playing videos off of Brooklyn oh. where people are creating series on this stage, which is incredible. <laughs> I was so curious as to why you would turn off the UI and you've answered my question. I answered it. <laughs> because then you, you type in Roblox on YouTube and you'll find all these incredible series that they've made on all these different platforms where people are just creating these different voiceovers and it's just amazing. We love it. There's like Roblox TV as well. Yeah. So like um, we like um, went, went on, on like a staycation like last year um, and we just like turned on this kind of cable TV and then yeah, that was like the, the first thing that came up was like Roblox TV and we just sat and like watched someone playing Roblox running around a water park for like 10 minutes and then we literally <laughs> like, jump into that game and started playing in this water park. It was wow, very cool. Mental. So, you know, you're in this phase of development, you have, Mike, you specifically have built sort of maybe this is your second game on Roblox. I'm curious, what advice do you have? for people who are considering building on Roblox, who might want to get involved, who maybe even want to create content for Roblox um, outside of the Roblox platform? I would say, okay, the, the first bit of advice I'll do is the obvious one, which is do it. Um, <laughs> nice. Jump in the tools, get something out there and publish it within two days. Just get it out there. Like, don't like, don't get stuck in like a cycle of like spend like, making a big production roadmap and spend six months before you get your game out. Like, yeah, like, 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 um, just like get something playable and run around and just get your core loop in as soon as possible. I'd mm -hmm. also add to that is what well, the thing that we did when we were first starting out is go and reach out to the developers that are doing well. Well, we, we learned so much and they're so willing to give their time to answer questions because they love their platform. They're protective about their platform. They want to make sure that anyone who's coming onto the platform has obviously the best interests at heart as well. And just reach out to them. I mean, and get a call in and pick their brains because they're the experts and we are at the moment, they're humble students. <laughs> Everyone that we've met has been so friendly and so helpful. Mm. Yeah. Like so generous with their time, just like answering our questions and yeah, and just hanging out with us. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. Community, community, community. Nice. I love that. And and it's, you know, through Discord or the Roblox Accelerator program that you have met these developers? Also LinkedIn. I reached out to, that's how we managed to, to build a relationship with our current um, Roblox developer in-house. I, I we, we reached out to him, I asked him loads of questions, and then he saw our job our job ad and was like, oh, great, we really like, what you're, really like what's going on, can I work for you? So it's, these relationships can lead to amazing things. The most, the most useful thing for me actually has been getting back into Twitter because I like haven't used Twitter since like I don't know like 2013 or 2015 or something. <laughs> and, like when I started working in Roblox, I just followed as many people that were doing things in Roblox as possible. And like any time that like I like to see anything related to Roblox, I just follow them. And now my whole feed is just very very interesting and I, I and just like watching what people are up to and like engaging with them and just learning from them um and that's just and like yeah it's just been very very handy just like i'd say that is the best place to 
engage with the Roblox sort of development community is on Twitter right now. I was always amazed at how involved the games industry is on Twitter. When I first got on like a year ago, it just blew up my feed with this amazing advice on game design and industry and, you know, curation of news. So I hear you loud and clear on the value of Twitter and also the value of LinkedIn and cold outreach. What is it like building a company with your significant other? Uh, that's a really great question. Um, I mean, I think we'd be lying if you said we weren't kind of apprehensive going into it about how it kind of would obviously affect our relationship outside of work and then how others would perceive it. But we have actually worked together before at Big Pixel. We worked together and a lot of people didn't even realise that we were together. In fact, I think someone thought I was seeing someone else in the company, <laughs> which is how well that we <laughs> concealed it. Um, and we actually see our relationship now as like a major win because it's not often that you get to build a company with someone that you trust and are able to have those really difficult conversations with, um, especially when times are pretty turbulent and you're able to be really frank with the other person about and, and knowing at the end of the day that actually it comes from a place of kindness and wanting to better the other person. Um, I know that I don't have that relationship with, with even my best friend to be able to be like, actually what you said there wasn't cool and I mean that because obviously we care about each other and I think the way the ways that we kind of manage that is being able to create a distinction between work and life so even if that's like physically in space so we've had we've hired an office because obviously both of us working for the same company that our house was becoming a tailwind office and it was hard to create that distinction between work and life so being able to actually create that physical space between it has been really helpful and having clarity between our roles I mean a CEO, CEO and a COO sometimes the responsibilities can get quite muddled so being able to create that clarity and establish responsibilities in a hierarchy from the get-go like even having one-to-ones we thought ah, we don't really have one-to-ones with each other like we know what's going on but actually having those having professional one-to-ones are really important to be able to treat each other like colleagues with professional goals rather than a couple who are trying to build a business i feel like it's like next level communication like there's so much trust and like just like just like there's in, infinite trust and like i just know that like if i'm gonna mess up on something and sometimes like gina's got my back and we can just like make all those mistakes around each other and just and just and just constantly communicate and talk about that. Like, say we come out of a difficult meeting and we just go for a walk and we just debrief because we just enjoy spending time with each other and we can just like bash through all those ideas. Like, um, just like just to head out for like a ninety-minute walk and you're still getting a lot done. You're still working, but you kind of spend that time together, like professionally but also personally. Um, the other thing for me is about sharing the journey and the wins. Like, so it kind of feels like if I was working on something by myself and Gina wasn't sort of working on the same thing, it wouldn't be as like, obviously she's going to, she's going to be excited. She's going to be hyping it up if I succeeded, but like, I like don't have to feel guilty for like working a little bit harder on something because it's for both of us. And there's, there's some, there's something there that like makes it extra sweet when you're kind of just really going after that same objective so hard together. I love that. I think it's such a unique situation to be in, but I could certainly imagine what joy and like fun and like strategy it might bring to to the table as well. Yeah, I wouldn't go on a journey on this journey with anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
I want to wrap up with two closing questions that we always ask on the Metacast. The first is just, what is the best advice you've ever received about building in the games industry? You, uh, I'm going to take your answer, I think. Do it, the best, I've got a blank. So okay, the best advice we've had since, uh, since starting this uh, tailwind even is always take the call. So if you get cold outreach from someone, they can be really, it can be really annoying, right? But we've always been told, always take the call. And nine times out of 10, that has led to another introduction, uh, an introdu- uh, an, a really cool IP to talk to. Um, it, I think it even led to us getting onto the accelerator program at some point. And it, it did, yeah. yeah. So always take the call. Even if you think you're too busy, make time for that call because it can, this industry is so, well connected it's you're always like two steps removed from someone who you want to talk to so you never know kind of what relationship you're going to build and it could be something that like doesn't materialize right away but then you start to build that relationship and then something happens in a few years time right yeah Yeah. so yeah that's definitely a really good one nice heck yeah i always tell myself there's something interesting in every single conversation you have no matter what you just have to find what that thing is and when you can get someone talking about it you just you're blown away by how passionate they are that's exactly it it feels like in the last like six months i've just learned six years worth of stuff just from talking to so many amazing people like yeah like um every conversation that we have just like yeah just like makes us a little bit smarter and it's been really really handy amazing and and so now the second question which is just a final note to our listeners what is a bold prediction that you both may have about the games industry it could be roblox related or otherwise i'll I'll go first yeah this isn't roblox related this is like an industry and it's kind of like a hope as well as like a prediction um (laughs) what i believe that companies built around vision and values are are far more likely to succeed than those built around a single game idea like we're on the cusp of welcoming in a new generation into the workforce right literally on the cusp they just started to trickle in now and their ideas and ideals and values are completely different on what they're looking for in a workplace and those companies that don't invest in the time for kind of well-being diversity inclusion they're going to fall behind and new companies are going to rise and that's what i hope and what i predict is going to happen (laughs) so my one is is like it, it, it kind of came out from some conversations recently about like the, like the metaverse as a whole and like and the like concepts of like 2D user generated content versus 3D um, UGC and like it's really increased my sort of awareness of like how exciting the world can be in like five, ten years time when these kind of decentralized platforms that are potentially like metaverses and in inverted commas start to kind of connect. So like Roblox and the Sandbox and like Creator, who like have a Facebook audience now, like, um, yeah, um, as like they kind of connect together somehow and then also go beyond gaming. So that in the way that on Facebook right now, like that's like people posting all about their lives and posting pictures and things and like brands trying to sort of get in there, like everyone is gonna have their own kind of 3D presence as much as they have a 2D social media presence today. And like um, um, companies, currently have websites, but they're going to have a 3D expression of that in this metaverse space as well in the future. So that's like my like prediction for like the next sort of 10 years or so. I'm going to start a consulting agency just to build remote offices in Roblox. That's the, that's the goal. That's Mike's <laughs> first idea in Roblox. And I had to we needed to <laughs> Everyone to told me no. And I was like, I want to make a virtual office. I was like reaching out to people. It's a billion dollar idea. <laughs> 
Well, I so appreciate this conversation. Thank you for coming on the show, Mike and Gina. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you us. for having it's us. It's been a lovely really cool. conversation. Dear listener, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a five-star rating, leave a comment, and also subscribe to the show. If you have any questions or comments, let us know at metacast at You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. This was the Metacast by Novik, and we look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.